Welcome to The Whole Marketer, where we look at the holistic skills the marketeers of today need to grow the brands and businesses of tomorrow, to ensure marketeers feel supported and empowered to have successful and fulfilling careers and lives as a whole. Hello, and welcome to The Whole Marketer podcast. podcast is inclusive marketing and shortly we'll welcome today's guest Jerry Dakin onto the podcast. Before we do, let me tell you why I believe inclusive marketing is so important. As marketers, we have the opportunity to be change makers, change makers for society as a whole. We influence so heavily what society sees, thinks, feels and does. And with that opportunity comes responsibility. We still need to ensure that as we look to identify, satisfy and anticipate the wants and needs of consumers, we do this for everyone. To do this, we also need to possess a key skill and behaviour that has been identified as part of the whole marketer concept, empathy to be able to build a deep-rooted emotional connection with our consumers and society as a whole. This is not what I would want to see, think, feel, or do in my shoes, but what this individual would want to see, think, feel in their shoes. It also requires us to adopt a growth mindset and be truly honest with what we do know, don't know, and yet to understand about individuals, communities, cultures, and much, much more. Today's guest is Jerry Dakin. Jerry Dakin is a global marketing leader who has held senior roles at brands including Beam Centauri, GSK Consumer Healthcare, Diageo, and Mondelez. Based in London, he is a World Federation of Advertisers Diversity Ambassador and co-chair of its Diversity Task Force, where he created its framework for representation and inclusion. He also sits on the Diversity and Inclusion Boards of the Advertising Association and ISPA, as well as on the board of Conscious Advertising Network and advertising. A regular conference speaker, he has written for The Drum, Ad Week, Campaign, Marketing Week, and The Guardian. Jerry, welcome to the Whole Marketer podcast. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. So as always with the podcast, we start with a big juicy question. And today's big juicy question is, what is inclusive marketing to you? Yeah, it is a big question. It's just better marketing, to be honest. I think inclusive marketing for me is every stage of the marketing process, you think a little bit outside your own bubble and you think kind of what are the opportunities for me to really serve my consumers and potentially to kind of serve different consumers that don't come from the same background, don't look the same, don't think the same as me. And so kind of most obviously and overtly inclusive marketing sometimes shows up in your creative and your comms and in versions of that which show different people show different lifestyles show different experiences but truly inclusive marketing actually comes right from the start it affects your product affects your services it's really just about i think historically in marketing we've had to focus a little bit on the averages you have to focus on the most common things but in doing so you tend to exclude some really interesting perspectives some really interesting opportunities and inclusive marketing is about forcing ourselves to explore those to go after those, to work out where there is business opportunity in those. And yeah, to really just do better marketing, I think. One of the things that you said there, Jerry, was we need to force ourselves to do better. Tell me more about that. (laughs) We're all human, aren't we? And so naturally, how you think, you think based on your experiences, you think based on kind of what you've exposed yourself to in the past what you've done before it's it's a skill we have to have as marketers I think some people talk about as empathy it's sort of stepping outside of your bubble and just being sure that kind of every step of the process you're forcing yourself to ask some key questions to check yourself to think in defining this brief in defining this audience in defining this creative idea in defining this media plan have I made loads of assumptions based on who I am and what Mm. I'd like to do one of our first 
jobs as a marketer is to realize we're actually not marketing to ourselves. Almost always our consumers, our customers are very, very different to us, whatever industry you work in. And so it's kind of just forcing yourself out of that natural, easy comfort zone of, do I like this? Would I do this? To like, what are those consumers that I'm actually trying to serve, want or need or respond to? And two things sprung to mind as you spoke then, Jerry. One was empathy, as we mentioned that just before we started the podcast. Yeah. And that need to build a deep rooted emotional connection with your consumer, but very much about what it's like for them to be in their shoes, not you to be in their shoes. And obviously we always start from a point of ourselves, but need to be really mindful to remove those biases and use empathy to really understand it from their shoes as best we can. And the second is really as I just alluded to there, the biases. And I think biases and being able to understand when that comes into play comes with having a deep understanding of ourselves and knowing what beliefs we are carrying, knowing what experiences we are carrying and how they may show up when, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, we're developing our products, we're recruiting for focus groups or research, when we are developing comms, when we're bringing those to market, really making sure that we have that diversity of thought but really think beyond ourselves. Is that a fair reflection? Yeah, I think it is. And it's only human. It's difficult to have kind of diversity of thought beyond your own thought. Other than, of course, one of the underlying themes about inclusive marketing is that it's much easier to do if you surround yourself and are open to listening to different perspectives. Because ultimately, yes, your judgments, your decisions, your thoughts, your impulses, which are, you know, not necessarily wrong. And it's important to go on some of those things, but ultimately they are somewhat limited by your own experiences, your own point of view. So empathy and thinking out that, forcing yourself to kind of think what would other people do? I think some people are sort of naturally more the empathetic, whatever the word is, but it's certainly something you can practice, something you can force yourself to do, something you can kind of train yourself to do. And then surrounding yourself with different perspectives, people who, you know, have their own biases, but in different directions. So Mm. that when you talk, when you interact, when you ask questions, when you strategize, when you come up with ideas together, you know, you've got different sort of perspectives, biases, mixes coming together, I think is a way past it. But yeah, for sure. I mean, I've spent a good part of last year, like speaking to very intersectional people from different backgrounds and learning about their experiences, but I still only know the tip of the icebergs of of those experiences. There are still lots of things that I, as a middle-class white man, will never truly experience, truly Mm -hmm. understand. It's good to keep listening, good to keep those voices in, and good to keep checking yourself, I guess. That's great advice. I've started to write a few things down. Exposure, openness, reserving judgment, listening, trying to reserve your thoughts. But obviously, one of the things you said there really resonated was like, even when you do meet other people and speak with other people you are only truly ever at the top of that iceberg of what it was like for them or is like for them and it's almost appreciating that you are at that tip of the iceberg but at least you're there at least you're trying one of the things I did last year, I did a program that Bloom runs in the UK called the Bloom Exchange, which is trying to get men in our industry to spend a bit more time talking to and understanding the experience of women in our industry, which if you've vaguely paid any attention, you kind of understand that there are lots of unfortunately more challenging things that happen to women, whether it's just in terms of promotion and stuff, or whether it's sometimes a slightly darker side of our industry. And you kind of get a sense for that, but you only truly start to understand it a little bit more or even like the challenges of, you know, societal assumptions around children, the menopause, mm. all sorts of things. I don't begin to understand, but you can start having some sense about and some sense around by talking to people, listening to people, just being open to it and starting along that journey. And you also don't expect everyone 
to be an absolute expert on everything. You know, you don't need to become an expert in every religion, minority. You just need to be open to hearing and listening, hearing different perspectives and exploring potentially what some of those might mean to your brief, to your project, to your challenge. It's not about us all becoming super all-knowing, all-caring people we're never going to be that you're still going to be human but you can keep asking questions keep listening and keep just trying to understand a bit more about a the society and social opportunity but ultimately also the hard business benefit that comes from better understanding of consumers well tell us more about that the hard business opportunity I like to think this inclusive market is something we'd all want to do because it's about slightly making society better, about making sure that people are heard and listened to. But I also understand that our job as marketers is cold, hard business one. We exist to grow our businesses and make them work, make them grow more, make them make more money. And ultimately, we're not charities and things. But the good news is that those two causes absolutely align. The background of this is I've written this book on inclusive marketing and we try to focus it more on the how to do it. But absolutely, we still start by talking a bit about why, some of which is personal stories and why it's important to individual people. But there's a whole chapter that a good friend of mine, Camellia from the World Federation of Advertisers, helped me write where we just really go into the weeds of some of the business evidence for it. And there's loads of it from classic stuff that gets shared. It's like Harvard Business Review talking about internal diversity in terms of talking about the internal makeup on your teams and how that drives better results, better performance for business. But there's also now specific marketing in terms of ad research that's been done into more progressive adverts, in terms of research that's been done into advertising that shows um, you know, better gender representation, better LGBT representation, better race representation. There's loads of evidence that shows it does work hard. It's not a magic trick. If you have a more inclusive advert, it's not automatically going to be the best advert you've ever made. But if you make a good advert and you think about inclusion along the way, the evidence suggests that it has the power to be more emotional, it has the power to be more relevant, be a more effective advert. And also that it has the power to change perspectives, to change attitudes, to change people's thoughts on inclusion. So that, yeah, there really is a business case. And I think if you're someone who's passionate about this and you're butting into barriers of like, you know, we've got other priorities, we've got other things to do, then look at some of the stats or just think in the simplest sense, you know, there are, there are people out there who broadly speaking, you know, I'm a gay man myself, so I'm used to kind of not seeing myself fully represented in adverts. It would be super weird if every advert I ever saw had a gay man in it. That'd be very weird. But it is nice when occasionally people do represent sort of your diversity, your community. It is nice when you see brands actually wanting to talk to you. Huge, call them minorities, but they add up to be more or less a majority. Groups mm. of people who just haven't been super well represented. And for brands who take the time and the effort to talk to them to think about their specific needs, there's just obvious low-hanging fruit that those consumers are more likely to want to buy from, to work with, to shop from those brands. Listen to you talk, Jerry. One thing that's really clear is how passionate you are about this topic. <laughs> I'd love to know what drove you. What was that Jerry Maguire moment that drove you to go, right, I'm going to write a book? Oh, uh, insanity or something, probably. <laughs> I think the honest answer is I, I didn't set out to write a book. So warning to all your podcasters, any listeners, at any point you might accidentally find yourself writing a book. As exactly as you say, this is a topic I'm super passionate about. It's a topic I've cared about for quite a few years. And over the last few years, as I've kind of seen the industry galvanise a little bit about it and take it a bit more seriously, I've been really keen to be a part of that. And I ended up volunteering and agreeing to be something called a World Federation of Advertisers Diversity Ambassador. And we created this global diversity type 
task force, which is a lot of words to say we got a couple of dozen people together from big global companies around the world who, who also were passionate and cared about this stuff. And we're kind of willing to share some of what they've been doing, either some of their solutions, some of the partners they've been working with, or often just the questions they were asking and admitting to each other were asking the same questions and wouldn't it be sensible to try and crack them together. Kind of started from that and we created a framework and the framework shows up in the book so we can talk about it a bit later. We kind of created this framework together, which very much based on what we were talking about was on the sort of assumption that Many companies, many marketers increasingly want to do this, but one way or another, it kind of gets squeezed out the process, gets forgotten somewhere along the way, gets, you know, you run out of time, you get into autopilot mode, etc. So throughout the creative process, we came up with questions to ask yourself to just to try and prompt yourself to try and prompt that empathy to try and challenge that bias. And we created that last year, which I, you know, great document. I know lots of people, lots of companies have used it, you can find it on the WFA website, etc. But I started to think, you know, it's great to ask all these questions it'd be good to start trying to answer some of them as well and a perfect storm happened where I ended up being put on a couple of months gardening leave between two roles and it's the publisher Kogan Page happened to approach me but they, they approached me and I was like oh, I'd love to write a book on like digital marketing because my, my day job is working in media working in digital marketing and I'd, I'd love to write a book on that that's super exciting they're like no 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 <laughs> want, you to write, want you to write a book on this inclusive stuff you've been doing I was like oh, okay fair enough so I hadn't really thought about writing a book. We'd sort of started to think about what the next step of that project was, maybe in terms of like workshops or deeper dives or something. And it all just came together. And I was like, well, I've got some time. I've got someone who wants me to write a book. We've got this burning questions. But it was perhaps more effort than I thought it would be. Not, not that I was naive about it, but I was. it was a lot of hard work in those months off. And as a part of me, it's like, oh, gosh, be careful if you ever agree to write a book. It does take over. But I really enjoyed it. One of the things I realized very early on was that I didn't have all the answers and how could I? Because the whole point of, you know, inclusive marketing is you need to listen to different perspectives, need to listen to different people. So actually a good half of the book is just these interviews I did with about two dozen marketers trying to find intersectional people with different experiences, talking to them, listening to them and writing the book partly sort of based on their experiences. And also in the end, we just put a lot of those interviews in there because they were so interesting in themselves. So in short, I slipped into it because we were doing all this great work and inclusion. And I was wondering how to do it to the next level. And this sort of perfect storm came along and here we are, a book in our hands. Well, thank God for the perfect storm, eh, Sherry? <laughs> and what I loved about your book is that, A, yes, it does have a good framework. Because I think it's one thing when you tell someone why it's important and they get really bought into the concept and then they're kind of going, yeah, I agree. And then they're like, so what do I do now? Yeah. So that's what I loved about your book. A great framework, loads of practical advice. I loved that it had those interviews interwoven throughout the book. And we will put the link to the bottom of the podcast. So the book is Inclusive Marketing, Why Representation Matters to Your Customers and to Your Brand. As you've just mentioned, you've broke the book into four stages. Yeah. Inclusive briefing and strategy, inclusive planning, inclusive production, and inclusive launches. Can you take the listeners through a synopsis of each of those stages? Definitely. And actually, in that WFA guy, we originally came up with 12 stages because something that happens when you do something with a slight committee, people have lots of different ideas. And I thought all those 12 stages are valid and do sort of touch on them in the book. I think sometimes it's easy to think of the broader phases of marketing and exactly like you talked about. So if, yeah, if you start at the briefing and the strategy and it's, you know, that classic, let's, let's start at the beginning. Like if you don't 
put this in your brief, if you don't make sure that your insights have listened to some different consumers, have some different perspectives in it, you know, right right from the start, you lose this. You lose the opportunity to, to truly drive this. And at best, you're going to get to inclusive marketing, which is, oh, we, you know, we put a couple of people who looked a bit different in our video for a change, which is, you know, maybe a step in the right direction, but often, you know, ends up being slightly stereotyping and not necessarily that great a step forward. So it's, it's right from the start, like putting in your briefing how important you think this is, exploring in your briefing, what does the data you have, what are the insights you have show you might be some opportunities. And sometimes, and we've heard people talk about it, lead you to twin opportunities, like maybe there's a very mainstream target you want to go after but there's also certain subgroups sometimes it's just one campaign but you really want to make sure it pulls on certain insights and things but right from the start thinking about how do you make sure you're brief how do you make sure your insights how do you make sure everything you're kind of doing at, at that first stage sets you up for success and looks for the business opportunity a lot of the questions that we kind of suggest to ask yourself you know like have I missed people out? Especially when you get into insights in analytics and things. By default, when you're analyzing insights, you have to look at the most average people. You have to look at what are the majority of our consumers want? What is the mainstream? But are there big minorities and big spikes outside of that, which you can dig a little bit deeper into? And again, you need a bit of empathy. You need a bit of asking yourself different questions. And throughout this, you also kind of need a bit of time just to like allow yourself the time to look at a few different things. Then you're going to get into planning, which is really when you like decide what should we do? We devote a chapter that you could easily devote a whole book to it to think about like the people involved in that process, the teams, the partners you have. And as we have said already, like inclusive marketing is much easier when you have different, more inclusive perspectives around the table. So obviously with slightly different ball game, but we're trying to work to make our industry more inclusive, more representative of the real consumers we serve. Have a look around your own teams, try your best to improve those, but then also think about some of the partners you work with, some of the agencies you work with, some of the specialists you work with. How can you bring in some of that knowledge through into then, like, as you're actually like planning and coming up with it? And we talk a little bit about, you know, product design and kind of some of the wider marketing process, but of course, the most common thing we're talking about here is comms and creative. There's a, fr- a framework actually that the United Nations, the Unstereotype Alliance, came up with called the Three P's framework, which we also refer to, which is really about making sure that you're not just, you know, making your adverts stereotypically inclusive by casting someone and just throwing someone in the mix, but you're really thinking about what's their perspective, what's their personality, how do you bring that that to life? So yeah, really thinking about as you're coming up with creative ideas, as you're coming up with product ideas, how do you make sure they're inclusive? And of course, the actual like the production, the making of it, you know, we didn't go into the weeds of factory environment, we go a bit more into the weeds of like the comms production environment, the what might be happening on set, how do you get the right people on set? And if you're going to start casting more diverse, more inclusive adverts, you know, slightly stereotypical, but obvious example, and if you're going to start having more black talent, do you have makeup artists that are used to working with different skin tones, different hair types? Do you have lighting teams? Do you have camera people who have the knowledge and the skills to kind of really bring that to life? The other considerations around accessibility or inclusion on the sets, on the production, on the planning cycle, or even as you get into like post-production, even as you get into kind of localization, how do you maintain that inclusion? There's some criticism of some companies who make very inclusive longer adverts, and then when they cut them down to sort of shorter versions, they really just leave a lot of that inclusion on the floor. How do you keep sense checking around that I mean, the last one is really how do you actually launch this stuff? And I work in media myself. So the paid advertising part is my day job. And we don't always get talked about in terms of 
diversity inclusion, but media has a huge role to play in terms of kind of what do we fund? What do we not fund? Are we making sure we're not funding hate speech and stuff that might go against what we're talking about? And can we really ensure this content is showing up in inclusive publishers and inclusive voices and of course when you launch there's a whole sense of like how do consumers respond often really positively occasionally some vocal negative stuff goes on how do you react to that how do you learn from it how do you measure on it how do you keep going which is there's a lot I mean there's a lot in there the good news is that for many of us we work at a certain part of that process and therefore you can get into more detail on the bit that you own or you lead or if you work in a broader role where you work right the way across it then it is it's about working out what's the sort of the low-hanging fruit and the big stuff that you can shift because perhaps you're not going to get totally perfect but there are always small things you can do at each of those stages so yeah lots going on but hopefully it's like a practical framework that really starts to say how do I do this and not just yes it's important so what yeah and you've also got some amazing checklists in the book. There is, yeah, the checklist of questions. That's sort of very directly taken from some of the WFA work. And we even compiled them together at the back of the book, just so like, if you really want to ask yourself the most basic question, just ask yourself those sort of three or four questions in each of the sections. And often the answer will be, yeah, like there's nothing different to do here onwards. But sometimes it'll be like, oh, I hadn't thought of that, or I hadn't looked at it from that perspective. And that's healthy. As well as your framework and your checklist, you've also got lots of different voices and different marketeers' interviews weaved throughout the book. What were some of those common themes that you kept finding from those conversations? Favourite thing that I had in doing this book was all the conversations I had with other marketers. I did them from a practical perspective of wanting to learn from their experience and make sure it was captured. And then pretty early on, I realised that they were sharing some really fantastic, interesting stories. And each interview, I tried to focus them on a different stage of the marketing process and tried to get them to go and kind of to, to the weeds and like in a lot more detail on a specific part of it. But I started by asking them all like a couple of the same questions, like, why does this matter to them? Why does representation matter to them? What are some good examples of it? And generally, I was trying to mean more like, why does inclusion and representation in our advertising and our marketing matter? But so many of them brought it back to their internal experiences, their personal experiences. And they were sort of a deliberately intersectional group of people who've come from different classes, genders, races, abilities and things just to try and capture some of that nuance as well Mm. it was fascinating to hear just how important and how much of a role we can all play internally in our businesses in terms of being role models for this being people who speak positively about this people who are role models for any of the diversity we bring ourselves but also just role models if you're a leader in your business just be vocal about the fact you find this stuff important it was a huge theme you can't be what you can't see people talking about you know myself included talking about growing up and not seeing certain aspects of themselves reflected in culture, certainly not reflected in advertising and the power of that. But then when it, when it came into the practical work, it was you know some of the things that we talked about already really came out of the interviews, like this idea of empathy. It wasn't necessarily a word I was using myself before that, but several of the interviewees, Mark Ritson, outspoken marketing professor, he talked about you know how our job as marketers is kind of to forget who we are and leave all our personal preferences behind. Actually, my own CMO, Jessica Spence, really she really talks about empathy, the power of empathy as a really important skill that if you might naturally be blessed with, but if not, you can also practice and train and learn. And it was really consistent without that people were just coming back to this idea of you need to just push yourself a little bit outside of your own assumptions your own box the biggest theme throughout that whole piece is easier 
if you are part of a diverse team, if you surround yourself with diverse perspectives, if you don't have those naturally in your team, if you bring them in through partners and consultancies, because much as the most mainstream, posh, middle-class white man can certainly do great marketing that appeals to very different people, it's a lot easier if you have people with some closer experiences, some different perspectives coming along for the ride, you're much less likely to sort of make mistakes, to stereotype, do things bluntly. So honestly, I I really found people's personal stories really interesting, at times emotional and moving. For instance, class is a bit of a taboo still in the industry. When we list off diversity, we often don't mention it. And you're hearing people who perhaps come from slightly lower working class backgrounds, like the battles they've had, some of the ways they've been treated in our industry. It's really painful, but interesting to hear. And I think a challenge to us all is think, you know, are there any actions that we have in our day-to-day lives that make people feel more or less included? Because you only get to great inclusive marketing if you have great inclusive teams great inclusive culture and the ability for people to kind of put their hands up and say oh excuse me I don't think that's right that's something you've got to nurture as well I couldn't agree more and it's quite clear the level of energy and passion that you've put into this book so for those that are listening do go buy this book as you mentioned earlier Jerry you are a marketer yourself I'd love to hear your career (laughs) occasionally love that I'd love to hear your career highs and lows Yeah, I think, I mean, I've done lots of really awesome things in my career, but I think fairly early on, a good 10 years ago, I worked on the Cadbury's London 2012 Olympic team. It's pretty hard to top for career high. It was Cadbury's, a great national iconic brand. We had a phenomenal team, really great people. It was also kind of working on those London 2012 Olympics, which I think, you know, were special to everyone. Lived in the UK, worked in London as part of that. I got to do some amazing things as part of that. got to be a social media man at the time. So I was literally tweeting and posting from Cadbury's. Had to be all sorts of really interesting events and things. And I even got to carry the London 2012 Olympic torch, um, admittedly about three or four in the morning past our factory in Birmingham, but still, still counts. So there was real amazing high in that. And I guess from a marketing perspective, the power of a fairly small team coming together, putting a lot of heart and soul into it. And by many metrics, we outperformed a lot of the big global advertisers who advertised around those Olympics. And we managed to really, really stand out. Lows, those tend to be kind of smaller smaller moments of panic and disaster and things even back in those Cadbury's days we did a promoted trend on Cadbury cream egg and we managed to get a picture of a naked person's bottom with a cream egg inserted into it trending accidentally so when everyone clicked on our promoted trend that showed up and you know we responded quite quickly and managed to to shut that down in a matter of minutes and rethink so it wasn't the scandal it could have been but it was certainly at the time felt a fairly career low and actually there's there's an interesting story that came out of that time as well which is that our team was working on this big quite crazy hard to explain activation around playing games and competing to win stuff and they were working on like an execution and a part of that which was about throwing tea bags into mugs and setting a world record for being like the fastest you could throw tea bags into mugs which you know is Seems totally random, but it did somehow make sense at the time. They landed on some kind of advert that was all about teabagging, and they were going to make a Cadbury's TV advert that had that phrase in it. And depending on your own experience, you may or may not be aware that Urban Dictionary, that is a word that has many different meanings, most of which you wouldn't want a family brand to be associated with. And it was an interesting example where a lot of people had seen this, a lot of creators, a lot of people, a lot of our senior managers had kind of signed off on this. And there were two or three of us, slightly younger people, looking worriedly at each other being like 
are we sure this is okay? Who's going to speak up? Who's, who's going to speak up? It? And yeah, and it was because actually the cabbies was a very inclusive environment, was a very friendly environment that a couple of us were able to say, look, I'm really sorry, but I don't think that's a great idea. And here's why. And it was, you know, an awkward moment, awkward meeting, but everyone was like, okay, yeah, we could probably use some slightly different language, dodge the bullet. And I think that's an example of, that wasn't about race or gender or anything like that, but it was about like listening to some of your younger team and having an environment in which people can put their hand up and say, look, I know you're trying to do something fun. I know you're trying to do something good here, but that's offensive to me or that's offensive to this or that's not going to work. So I think we swerved a career low there and I can't remember what they called it, something much more forgettable perhaps, but, you know, not offensive. (laughs) So thank you so much for your time so far on today's podcast. We always finish our podcast with the following question. What one piece of advice would you give to marketeers of tomorrow? I'd probably say to try and keep things simple because I think a lot of the world out there is telling you that marketing is getting more and more complex. We've got more and more technology. We've got more and more things we need to think about in terms of inclusion, in terms of this, that and the other. And actually, all of that stuff plays into the fact that the simple basics of marketing are more important than ever. So turning to really core basic marketing thinking, having clear process and really evaluating opportunities available to you based on what we know works in marketing, keeping things simple is my advice. Understand those new technologies, understand those new opportunities, but also understand that a lot of the time they're not right for you and your brand. And that's fine if you kind of keep true to the simple truths of marketing, you'll be best placed to be able to assess and evaluate that. And also have lots of empathy, which we've talked about. (laughs) Yes, have lots of empathy. Thank you so much for your time on today's podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been a great chat. Thank you for tuning into the Whole Marketer podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do like, follow and share. The Whole Marketer is here to support and empower you and your teams with the latest technical skills, soft and leadership skills and behaviours and personal understanding for a successful, fulfilling marketing career and life as a whole. For support, resources and more information on how we can help you to become a Whole Marketer and build Whole Marketing teams, go to www.thewholemarketer.com. Thank you.